Hello, this is Kenya, and welcome to my magical cottagecore life. Today, we are going to talk about a plant, and you've seen this plant if you've ever seen an overgrown yard here in North America, more than likely, or even an overgrown area of abandoned property, which there's a lot of in this area of uh, Metro Detroit. And yes, I said Metro Detroit. Now, people who are from Detroit, you know how much we hate the term Metro Detroit because Metro Detroit encompasses the suburbs and the suburbs are always trying to get the Detroit clout without the Detroit responsibility. I said what I said. But I have to say Metro Detroit now because I no longer live across 8 Mile. I have moved, so I have to say I am in Metro Detroit. But I will say this to you. Born and bred and raised in Detroit and did all my civic works and hell year, you know, years and years worth of positions and even now still work with people in the city of Detroit. So you can take me out of Detroit proper, but you can't take the D- Detroit out of me. That being said, on both sides of 8 Mile, there are lots of abandoned areas and in those areas you will see this plant hello mr. squirrel I'm outside again but today's plant also is because someone in one of my plant groups on Facebook one of the groups I'm a member of it's not my group shared a picture of this plant and my I want to say one of my inspirational people Mumbo Elizabeth Ruth of Big Liz Conjure she actually and I think it's Ursula's Conjure Garden she actually was looking at it and she was asking about it and I said you know what let's do an episode so I'm dedicating this episode to Mumbo Elizabeth Ruth and we are going to talk about horsetail now take out your big book of stuff and turn to the green section, the botanical or herbal section. But I will tell you this, and this is very important. We are going to be very specific. So for the Latin name, we're looking for Erigen canadensis. Canadian horseweed. Why am I being so specific? Because there's a plant that's very similar called mare's tail and I don't want you to get them confused because in folklore we sometimes use folk names for more than one plant so now you know which plant we're talking about let's get started to identify this plant and you'll usually see it in the beginning of growing around this time it's probably about if you're in the northern area it's about this the length of a young toddler's leg right now which doesn't tell you much but it really depends on where you are how tall these are but I will say in general by now in my area comes up to about my knee don't talk about me I'm not short I am of average height but I'm a little shorter than I was though a few years ago 
But this particular plant has what they call lance-like leaves. So what that really means, they look like skinny spear tongues or something, or like really wide lizard tongues, or they're, they're just, they're pointy and long and thin, and they come out in a clump, like a, a, a tuft of hair going every which way, but they're not hairy, I'm just saying how they grow when they're short, and as they get taller, that stem stretches way out, and those leaves are not as close together. Okay, squirrel, really, are you going to be right here? You you have to be right here. You don't see me yet. That's what it is. Okay. Keep on. Keep on. There's a dog over there, and I think that he is looking at you. Okay. This cute little puppy dog, too. I love watching puppies chase squirrels. And just that quickly, I got off topic. Squirrel. Literally. Squirrel. Okay. Now... The other way you can identify this is once it's taller, you'll be able to tell by the flowers. Because this is known as Canadian fleabane. And even though it's classified as Canadian fleabane, you can find it all over the place, even across the world. And yes, you burn it to deter fleas. That's true. But it does have other uses. But it has different uses at different parts of its life. Let's get into it. A couple of you actually messaged me on my Facebook yesterday. And they said that they could hear a little wheeze when I'm speaking. If that bothers you... I do apologize because some people are sensitive to that. But I can't do much about that until I decide whether or not I'm going to switch to a different setup rather than my phone. So, if you're worried about my health, it's okay. I'll be fine. And there are birds everywhere around me today. I don't know really what's going on. Uh, They are like literally surrounding me they're in the trees above me they're everywhere and I'm actually looking at a a patch of Canadian fleabane not 20 feet away from me so this is an opportune moment to really discuss this topic now the fleabane I'm looking at is not in its super early stage but I want to talk about what it looks like and what it's used for in its early stage One of the things that you can use it for when it's in its, um, I want to say about six inches high or a little bit, or seven inches, when it's just a a burst of leaves, you can gather that and dry it and flake it up and use it as a seasoning. Much like dried chives or tarragon. It won't have the oniony taste, you know I said chives, but I want to give you an idea of how to use it. But it's closer to like a tarragon. So you can use it in eggs. You can use it on fish. You can use it if you're preparing something like a potato and you want an unusual flavor. You could use it as a sprinkle in a salad. You could make salt out of it. But in all things, remember, before you just shove it into your mouth, 
make sure that it's the right plant go through all the different ways you can identify it and if possible and preferably find an herbalist or a botanist or a naturalist excuse me naturopath not a naturalist and that way you can make sure you're identifying the plant properly yes you can do it with one of the plant ID softwares but having a book in this case is a lot better than using just identification software you want to have a complete breakdown of what it's supposed to look like, feel like, if possible. Images help, but if you're using an image, make sure it has enough detail and all angles and cycles of the plant, if possible. Now, something I do want to touch on also is that this plant was boiled and then used uh, on sweat lodge ceremonies. Um, it was burned, but I want to just, you know, as far as, you know, how to make the smoke, but I'm, I'm imploring you. I am, I am begging you. Please do not try to undergo making your own sweat lodge ceremony if that's not your, your thing, if that's not your path, if that's not your people. If that's not something you were trained how to do by people who know how to do it and have the bearing and standing to be in a position of passing that knowledge on and then that you have the blessings of those people to do it. It's like anything else. It's like if you were entering into a priesthood, you wouldn't just automatically try to perform the offices of that priesthood without the proper training. You wouldn't want to go into a situation where you were mimicking a military ceremony and you were not in the military, especially in that branch. I mean, they're not the same, but it's one of the easiest ways for me to try to give you an idea why it's important that we don't just do things because we know other people do them with no cause. Now, if you're doing it for your own fumigatory purposes, your own smoke clearing or cleansing or whatever after you've sat and communed with the plant, that's on you. But it would be your ceremony. It wouldn't be anyone else's. So if you are doing that, make sure you maintain that that reality that this is your ceremony. Something that you made up. Not something that you have taken from someone else without knowing how. We don't do that. Mustn't touch what isn't ours. I believe that's what Snape said to Bellatrix in that movie. Okay, so let's go on to the next thing. Now, like many of the green friends or plant friends that we have discussed in this podcast, this particular plant is found in the places where the soil has been disturbed and usually where it's not often touched after being disturbed, 
by frequent traffic by people. Little squirrel, why are you hanging upside down? Are you gathering? It's not time. Oh, you're gathering the green little mulberries. Okay, all right, that's fine. Little white mulberries. Okay, so, sorry. Squirrel, literally, squirrel. It's a little gray squirrel. It's really young, too. Where were we? Okay, so, it is found in the disturbed places. You will often see these plants along the lines of railroad tracks, uh, industrial places. You see them in farms because it was brought over, I think, a little bit for fodder, but it was already here. It, It was already here. And it does love to drift. It loves to travel. So once you have it, if you don't want it, you need to get rid of it very quickly if it's messing with the harmony of your garden plans because it is no respecter of persons it does not care what you want it has no concern of you it was here before you and its progeny will be here after you are long gone so keep that in mind as you battle to maintain garden control but, but all jokes aside, it, it's, it's not going anywhere. It will always be with us here in North America. So the best you can do is maybe carve out a little area that it can thrive and be happy. And, and just take the area that you are working and say, this is my place. Something else you can do with it is find it in areas of Detroit and in Warren and in... Madison Heights, where there used to be food packaging plants, which is interesting because one of the traditional uses of this herb is to battle dysentery. But there's something else it can do. You can use this plant to make people sneeze. You heard me. You can use it to make people sneeze. Why would this be important? If you have a stuffy nose, or sometimes a runny nose, one of the things you want to do is sneeze. It helps clear out the nasal passages. Also, there are certain uh, folk beliefs where there are rituals where you want everyone to sneeze. I'm not going to get into that. That is not what this episode is about. But... I do know that one way, and I'm not going to tell you what was agreed on, but when you're young and you make these little blood packs, you know, little kids, when you're like, oh, blood brother, blood sister, and you make these little blood agreements, not everybody wants to cut everything, but what you could do when you were really young is you might use pepper and you all just kept sneezing, sneezing till you got a tiny little nosebleed. Don't do that. I'm not telling anyone to do that. Because I don't know what your tolerance is. I don't know if you're allergic to it. It's slightly toxic. I'm not telling you to use that plant for that. But you could theoretically use it to induce sneezing for that as well. I had an interesting childhood. You know, I'm Generation X. We did all the crazy. Seriously, we did all the crazy. We, we used to do that. We used to cut our fingers. We used to incur sneezing. We used to jump off roofs. We used to do all sorts of things in the name of what happens if we do this this sounds cool so 
I'm kind of thinking I might start renaming Canadian Fleabane as the Gen X plant. You can't stamp us out. We're always there. People kept trying to get rid of us, but here we are. And we'll be here for a really long time after those who tried to destroy us have gone away. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, that's enough of that. Let's talk about what else you can do with it. And this is the part where I tell you that I am not a doctor, nor do I purport to be, nor am I a naturopath or a certified herbalist. So anything I tell you, you need to double check with a professional before you try to apply it to yourself. This plant is also, um, other than being good in boiled rice, you can boil the young, young pieces in rice. How young? I'm talking about when they're very young leaves. Like, you know, how, like when you do poke salad. You, you know, use y- young leaves. It's kind of like that. But, hello squirrel, did you finally notice I'm here? And now you want to play. I'm going to throw you a peanut. Okay, where were we? So, another thing it was used for, and you could use it for, is if you have a certain STI called gonorrhea. Because it has astringent properties, it was used to treat the bleeding sores to help dry them up. It has been used for dysentery, for bleeding and inflamed hemorrhoids in certain preparations. It's been used for uterine issues, but again, Don't you go using it unless you've been trained how, because you never know how the human body will react. And by consulting someone who does know, who has been trained in the wise ways, or in the medical ways, which are also wise ways, you avoid yourself a lot of potential problems. That's one of the things that we have to learn to respect. I know some people don't trust allopathic medicine, but... At the end of the day, it's still medicine. That willow bark tea was formed into a pill. So again, one form of medicine does not negate the fact that allopathic medicine exists and it is valid and you shouldn't be afraid to go to the doctor. Nor should you be afraid to talk to a naturopath. But they have different scopes of practice. And both should be respected. Especially the certified herbalist. Because they both study. But the allopathic doctor sometimes studies both. Do your homework and you can find these things out. But that being said, again, there are other ways to use this particular plant. Another thing that you will find is that it attracts a very specific thing. Now for my doulas, I want to insert this area here. You and I both know, and I am not purporting myself to be a licensed doula in any way. Or a certified doula. I'm just, I'm sharing this with you. We know about the properties of yarrow, we know about the properties of shepherd's purse, but I will say this, 
Horsetail also was used to help with postpartum bleeding as well. So I strongly recommend that if you are on the natural path to talk to an educator regarding how to use this plant and possibly incorporate it into your practice. It can be made into an infusion, it can be made into an essential oil, it can be used in other ways, not just for postpartum uh, direct application. So I do strongly recommend you look into it. Now, I guess this is as good a place as any to talk about today's music because it is called Rite of Passage by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech. And I wanted to give a shout out, obviously, for credit purposes. And well, hello, a new squirrel. This is a black squirrel. Right on, right on. And um, this was a little bit more adventurous. Okay, walk around my squash player. All right, so again, uh, where was I? Oh, yes. Definitely look into incorporating this into your practice. I have found that a small medicinal patch in your garden, not just for any particular discipline, but in general, will give you a greater scope of understanding and appreciation for the things that nature brings to us to help us and heal us. Alright, let's get back to the subject at hand. If you are planting a garden in order to help the bees, this is the plant for you. Now understand, when I say attracting bees for pollination, I mean letting it get all the way up to flowering time. But something you do want to recall is that bees aren't the only thing that pollinate. So if you decide to let this plant just grow wherever, you might not want to have it grow near your house windows. Because it doesn't just attract bees, it attracts flies. Also, it mostly will attract native bees as well, and that's very important. The honeybee is not native to here. So, we have so many species of bees in North America that need you to let certain things flower because they need that food to exist. Whacking down everything before it flowers is not only a bit trifling, it's also irresponsible to the ecosystem. Even if you're only letting one thing flower at the edge of your property, that will still help at least one or two more insects to stay alive. And is it really hurting you? Is it? Is it really? Because I don't think it is. And I know it's helping. You don't want to wake up one day and there are no birds singing and no bees buzzing and no 
butterflies wafting. That's a very real possibility. If we don't learn to take more control, more responsibility and stewardship of our areas. Well, hello, Mrs. Blue Jay. How are you? It's good to see you. I see you're in my cherry tree. You can tell she's Mrs. Blue Jay because she doesn't have the bright blue coat. They like my tree. Oh, and now they're talking. Now the robin's here. I think they're going to make a nest. It's a very beautiful cherry tree. We we planted it when we first, the first year I lived here, and the plum tree, and um, a peach tree. The peach is for my daughter. The cherry was for my husband, and the plum was for me. And as we get ready to leave. Um, we will miss these trees greatly. We hope that they will be a blessing to whoever lives here after us. But something I do want to talk to you about is about trees. We're going to do an aside right here, okay? So hopefully you won't mind this little divergence right now because... I have found this to be true also of other people who are very close to their trees, who form relationships with the plants, and that is, if you've planted something and you're kind of like heart, you know, heartfelt with it or heart bonded with it, you can kind of notice the condition of, of someone according to how their tree is faring a little bit. like. I can look at the bark of my plum tree and I can actually mark the times when I was doing very well and when I wasn't do re- doing very well. And Same thing with my daughter's peach. I, I can look at it and she had a rough year. And the tree also is feeling a little rough. I've watched this over years. You don't have to believe it. But I'm telling you what I've seen. Trees know what we're going through, and if you're very close to your trees, sometimes they go through it with you. They are the standing people, so, you know, take of that what you will. You don't have to believe in it. You don't have to believe me. I'm just sharing my experience. Also, my husband is a beekeeper, so, you know, he stopped keeping bees this year because of the new management here, but I guess they decided that they like it here so we are seeing an increase in honeybees so take of that what you will nature knows its own and even if you think you have a black thumb that might be because you just haven't found what part of nature you vibe with yet isn't that the word vibing I'm just vibing. That's what my daughter says. I'm just vibing. I'm just vibing. Okay, so vibe away. If you decide to preserve any of this plant as far as the herb itself, you know, because we we turn them into herbs when we dry them and powder them. 
especially if you make kitchen pepper out of it, which I don't know that I've done an episode specifically on kitchen pepper. If I haven't, I will. It's an older term for seasoned salt. But um, there's something I have read up and learned, and that is that, and yes, this plant is an annual, so if you see it in the same plot over and over, it's because that's the babies, is that you're not supposed to keep that over a year. It is only good for one year, so don't just try to keep it, because some things aren't meant to be kept for a long time. Some things aren't here for a long time, but they're here for a good time. Hey! Oh, but anyway, I'm just saying. I will say this, though, and this also is very important. When you are getting to know your plant energy allies in the garden or in the abandoned places, it doesn't hurt to maybe make them a little more welcome. And that is to say, if you're drinking some apple juice, pour a little out onto the plant area. Not right next to it, but near it. It can sometimes enrich the soil, although cider is better, but not a lot because that encourages other insects and things to come through the soil, feeds the bacteria and whatnot. I did not say chop up an apple and throw it on the ground. That is not what I said. You can also do the same thing sometimes with certain kind of juices, with honey, with beer. But again, don't put it right on top of the plant and do it sparingly. But it doesn't hurt to pour it a libation just to get things going a little bit. And if you have plant stick, fertilizer sticks, uh, mark off about a hand span and stick one into the ground if you really want a good impact. So I guess that brings us to the end of our episode. I know right now that some of you are like, this is the most wandering episode you may have heard. But it's a wandering plant. It, it Again, it's been everywhere. It, it just walks around and it just goes with the flow. It is absolutely everywhere. I am surrounded by squirrels right now. Squirrels, birds. There's this strange orange bug that I'm going to have to look up and find out what it is. There's cabbage moths. There's little black butterflies. What is going on? I just walked into all kinds of stuff. There's a party over here in the garden today. Can you hear? Okay, don't don't throw things at that. No. And the squirrels are beefing over the, the bird feeder. Okay. Well, I guess I've talked enough also about horse tail because I don't want to get horse with my tail. Get it? Horse with my ta- tail? No. No. Come on, you knew there had to be one mom joke. Come on, you knew it. No? No? Fine. Alright, so... I I just really love sharing information about plants with my friends. And we're friends, right? And Mambo Elizabeth Ruth, if you hear this, this episode was definitely dedicated to you. And thank you so much, so, so much for reminding me about this plant and that not everybody has seen it. If you'd like more information about this plant also, as far as spiritual beliefs, you can look up uh, 
folklore of indigenous peoples, as well as checking out the site Alchemy Works, because that, that person there, Harry, is mega cool. So, I look forward to seeing you next time here on my magical cottagecore life. A couple of you actually messaged me on my Facebook yesterday, and they said that they could hear a little wheeze when I'm speaking. If that bothers you, I do apologize, because some people are sensitive to that. But I can't do much about that until I decide whether or not I'm going to switch to a different setup rather than my phone. So. If you're worried about my health, it's okay. I'll be fine. And there are birds everywhere around me today. I don't know really what's going on. Uh, They are like literally surrounding me. They're in the trees above me. They're everywhere. And I'm actually looking at a, a patch of Canadian fleabane not 20 feet away from me. So... This is an opportune moment to really discuss this topic. Now the flea band I'm looking at is not in its super early stage, but I want to talk about what it looks like and what it's used for in its early stage. One of the things that you can use it for when it's in its, um, I want to say about six inches high or a little bit, or seven inches, when it's just a, a burst of leaves, You can gather that and dry it and flake it up and use it as a seasoning. Much like dried chives or tarragon. It won't have the oniony taste. You know, I said chives, but I want to give you an idea of how to use it. But it's closer to like a tarragon. So you can use it in eggs. You can use it on fish. You can use it if you're preparing something like a potato and you want an unusual flavor. You could use it as a sprinkle in a salad. You could make salt out of it. But in all things, remember, before you just shove it into your mouth, make sure that it's the right plant. Go through all the different ways you can identify it, and if possible, and preferably, find an herbalist or a botanist or a naturalist, excuse me, naturopath, not a naturalist, and that way you can make sure you're identifying the plant properly. Yes, you can do it with one of the plant ID softwares, but having a book in this case is a lot better than using just identification software. You want to have a complete breakdown of what it's supposed to look like, feel like, if possible. Images help, but if you're using an image, make sure it has enough detail and all angles and cycles of the plant, if possible. 